start with you. By the way, you have the handout for this morning because I didn't get one. You get, get a handout there for everybody. What's the first reference on there? Genesis 1. All right, so that's where we need to go. I was just making sure, making sure you were on board. We've been talking about the issue here of Satan's church, and uh, really I was doing it in more of a, not going to Satan's church or anything, but really of an identification of some truths that no, no more is commonly taught and discussed and looked at. And we took our time, this is lesson six, if you will, in this, and we're going to talk this morning about what was taken, I don't need it, brother, thank you, thank you, though. I, uh, what was taken captive, last week we talked about who was taken captive, and that's obviously humanity and the purpose and so forth, and that's why I want to start with us this morning in Genesis 1. We've been, we've been out of 1 Timothy 4 and Ephesians 4 and stuff as we get started, and we were talking about that issue in Ephesians 4 where Paul says that the Lord led captivity captive. And so we're talking about that captivity, and we started with the identification of Satan's church, that vain religious system, the Baal system that starts in Genesis here and runs all the way through in the ultimate manifestation in the Antichrist in Revelation 17 and the mother of harlots and Babylon and Mystery the Great and all of that, that all of that culmination. And I tried to identify it for you because it is identifiable. You can see it. And we see modern manifestations of it. And what happens is, is you, you see them where they, wherever you run into people who, in, in, and when I say people, I should mean religion, if you will, that enjoys religious titles, okay? Somebody asked me one time, what's your name? I said, Rick. No, what do we call you? And I said, Rick. <laughs> or Charles, if you need my official name, or Richard, you know, anything but hey you, you know, or well, no, it's anything but late for supper, right? That's what it is. And I said, why? What do you want? Well, I want to call you Reverend Rick. And I said, well, the right Reverend Rick would be all right. I'd be okay. But I was just messing with them because, you know, you guys miss that right Reverend, right? Okay. But the thing is, is when you have those titles and, and that is the focal point. Now, I, my, my title here is pastor, if, if you need that. Or you can do what he did in Acts and call me the Bishop Rick. You know, I can do that too. But anyway, the thing of it is, is when that is the focus and when that's the, not what's being taught and so forth, but we're into this prestige and we've got the, 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 the description of, they call the priest fathers and they've got robes and they've got idols and aids to worship and all of that. Now we're into something that you just go, okay, wait a minute, there's not something right here. Because the focus, the Lord tells his, the, the apostles there, you do what the Pharisees and the Sadducees say because they sit where? Remember? And Moses' seat. They have authority. But don't do it because of all of this other. And then he lists talking about the marketplace and the salutations and all that and the, and the long robes and everything. Well, that's, that's Satan's church. It's identifiable. You see it. Today, in modern day, we see the manifestation of it prominently in the Roman Catholic Church. But it's not just in Rome. It's in all of it. Because if you get into the Protestant side of things, you real quickly get into a lot of the same hokey stuff going, ooh, you know, okay, what are we to do? We're to identify it. And we talked about that and we discussed that. And I wanted to get into this issue about the captivity captive because that system that, 
that Satan has put into place since Genesis 1 comes in and takes the truth of God and tilts it just one degree off. And he takes the truth of God and makes it into a lie, Romans 1.25. And that causes the creature to be worshipped more than the creator. And it should be what? The other way. And that's what, we're gonna, that's what we've been talking about, the issue of what was taken captive. Who was taken captive? Well, it starts with man, Genesis 1. By the way, in Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Verse 2, and the earth was without form. Actually, I'm ahead of myself, so let's go back to verse 26, okay? On the sixth day, God makes man. Why does God make man? Well, verse 26, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. That's two things, image and likeness, two different things. Image, the three part of you, here it is, likeness. He, gave, he robed man out in the original coat of many colors. He wraps man up in the garment that represents God. So that in creation, when they saw man, they knew man was God's man. He looks like God. He's in his likeness. Help, helping the other day uh, lay get packed up, he had a, he had a coat from a uh, security company, security guard. I used to work for them many moons ago. But you know how you knew that I worked for them? Because you had what? You had a uniform. You looked like them. You, hey, there they are. Here, here comes security. Run, quick. You know, that's, it. that's what God did with Adam. Here comes God's man. He's robed. He's put on. He, that's why he says, in our likeness and let them have dominion. And so he says, hey, let's make them in the image, the three parts of us, body, soul, and spirit, spirit, soul, and body, what do you got? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're going to make him a three-part being. By the way, we studied last year that what Satan missed in the creation of man was that inner man issue, that soul issue. He sees God make him out of the dirt, dirt man, mud man. But then he, and he sees God breathe into him and the guy starts living. But what does Satan miss? That soul issue. He misses that. So what does God do here? He says, let them... That'll be man. Have what? Dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. So why did God make man? So they would have what? Dominion. That's why he made them. That's why he made humanity. To have dominion over what? Creation. The physical earth, here it is, the creation. That's not hard, is it? Now watch verse 28. And God said, and God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, uh-oh, have kids, and what? Multiply, and replenish the earth, and what? Subdue it. Why would he have to subdue it? Why would he make man and say, man, you're going to have dominion over it, but you're also going to have to subdue it? Because creation is now in the hands of an adversary. There's an enemy on board. That's what we were looking at last time. There's, there's trouble. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. I guess we don't have the overhead, do we? Is that what you're looking at? All right. Well, look at your handout, okay? 
what does God do? God makes man for a very much for a purpose. What did Satan do? I can take that guy, piece of cake. He's a dirt man. Oh, it became, okay, good. All right. He's dirt. I got him. He's of no value. So he goes in, and what does he do? He takes captive man, humanity. For by one man sin entered into the world, so then death passed upon who? All. Boom, I got man. But what was led captive? Because it's more than just creation that God's creating. Go back to Genesis 1, verse 1. There's some, something else there's something more than the physical creation of the birds and the bees and the, the seas and the waters and the fish and then man, the physical issue. There's something more happening here. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. We looked last time in Psalms where God forms the earth. He makes it form, function. There's a reason why he, he's got a purpose. It took a form. It took a shape. You drive by a construction site on the corner, and you're like, I wonder what they're going to build there. Because all you see is the dirt and the, and the slab laid. And then all of a sudden, you see it do what? The forms up the walls, and you go, oh, it's going to be a Dutch Brothers. <laughs> or something fast food until you see the sign, right? You know, oh, it's going to be something fast foody until we see the sign. Then you find out it's Popeye's chicken, and you go, yes. It's right around the corner, right? No? You guys, no, come on. Popeye's is, woo, Cajun cooking, let's go, you know. Yeah, give you a stomach ache later, right? But the thing is, is what did you do? You looked at the form, and you know it's going to have a function. When God created heaven and earth, he created it for a purpose. It had form. It had function. But yet then what happened? Now it's without form and void. The, the, term, the terms of judgment there, Jeremiah 4, where he uses the only, the only other place this term's used, the phrase is used, and it's about judgment. And there was a judgment, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Now, next week we're going to hit the darkness issue, okay? But what's happened in the creation is there's been an adversary. Lucifer has fallen. Come over to Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14. Lucifer has fallen. And we read the account of it here in Isaiah 14. And the, angel, the angels, Daniel says that he goes out and traffics his merchandise. And Ezekiel talks about it. And you know what he does? He goes out and he sells his lie plan to, to the angelic realm first. And the angelic realm catches it, buys it. Rebels against God. And what happens is, is God, Matthew 25, said that God created hell for the devil and his angels. He creates hell to stop the rebellion in the angelic realm. Gabriel tells Daniel that, hey, there's only me and Michael left on the higher echelons of the angelic realm that are following God and God's word and what God's doing. The rest of them have gone, fallen. Why would that be? See, those are questions there. Why does Gabriel say that? Well, something else happened here in the fall. Something else was led captive. Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14 is a prophetic picture of the adversary being taken over and cast into the lake of fire. So we're after the thousand years. We're, we're right before the great white throne judgment time-wise in the time schedule. 
And as he's taken over and deposited into the lake of fire, the little flock, the true Israel of God, are going to sit there and mock him by reminding him what he said originally in Genesis 1. Okay? Now what I want you to notice here is what he says and what he doesn't say. Because we're talking about what was led captive. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? Now, that's Lucifer, son of the morning. That's him in his, the cherub that is anointed, that covereth, boom, there he is. But what has he done? He's fallen. How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken who? Why the nations? What's there about nations that he's weakening? Don't, don't answer. Don't an, I'm gonna, you're going to be foolish. Don't answer. Just put it in your mind and think. Nations. Why does he say, why did they say you've weakened the nations? Keep reading. For thou hast said in thine heart, and this is why this is the fall. By the way, I heard a guy one time say, Isaiah 14, this passage, it's just a parable. Well, a parable is... Is just half of what reality is. <laughs> so if this is just half of the thing in Luke 16, or with the, in, in, uh, the rich man and Lazarus, and they go to hell, and they say, oh, that's just a parable, then that means reality is two times worse than what they talked about in the parable. The parable is never, it's not always, oh, this is just a parable, so it's not true. No, it's reality just softened is all that it is, ultimately. But anyway, look at verse uh, 14, 13. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. There's the ultimate doom. Now notice the 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 five I wills, what he says. First of all, he says, I'm weakening the nations, right? What, do, what does that word nation indicate in, in our thinking? Gentiles? Government, right? When we talk about the nation of Ukraine, the nation of Russia, what are we talking about? We're talking about a governmental structure, aren't we? When I saw my, uh, governmental structure, that's a good word. I saw a mime about if capitalism was so bad and socialism so good, why isn't the caravans going to Venezuela? Well, when you think about the political side out of it, think about the governmental what? Structure, system. When he says weakening the nations, what is he weakening? He's not tearing down trees and uprooting plants and messing with the birds and the fishes, what's he messing with? He's messing with government. What does he say? For I will ascend into to the heavens. Who's in the heaven? God is. You know what he's saying? I'm going to go up there where God's realm is, the heavens. I'm going to be the king. Then he says, I, I'm going to exalt my throne. What's that word throne? What does that indicate? We got a throne, don't we? You see, he's not arguing about leading captivity, the issues of 
the physical realm. He's talking about what? I'm going to control how this physical is what? Run. Is governed. Is ruled. When he talks there about, I will sit also in the, uh, my throne above the stars of God. That position of authority. Ab- stars in your stars of God in, in, in creation are talking about the angelic host. Okay? That's one of their names. The morning stars sang and so forth. But he's going to do what? He's, gonna, he's in a position of authority. The mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. You go over to Job 1, and when Satan comes and, and the Lord calls the, the, the realm together to give an accountability, that's a place of accountability. It's a place of responsibility. It's a place, Job 1, verse 6, where have you been, Satan? He goes, I've been down in the earth, to and fro, back and forth. So you know the mount, the congregation of the north is sitting up into the second heaven. Not in the third heaven, the second heaven. God comes down, sits in the second heaven, calls the angelic realm together, says, what's going on? How you doing? But giving a report. Have you ever noticed why? The Lord, when he sends out the, the talents and he calls them together and he says, how many? And he goes, I got ten. And he goes, you get rulership over ten cities. There's accountability here. Who's, gonna, who's in charge of that? Well, God is, but what does Satan want to be? In charge. That's why he's going to ultimately say, I will be like the most high. Come over to Genesis 14. And he says, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. By the way, that's worship and the issue of worshiping God. Come over to Genesis 14. When he says, I will be like the most high, it's defined for us in Genesis 14 what he's talking about. Genesis 14, verse 18 and 19. Genesis 14, 18. And Melchizedek, king of Salem. By the way, king of Salem, that's the future Jerusalem. Okay. Brought forth bread and wine, and he was a priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, comma, what does Most High God mean? Comma, possessor of heaven and earth. So in Isaiah 14, when he says, I'm going to be the possessor of I'm going to be like the Most High God. My goal isn't to just be God. My goal is to run it all, to have it all be mine. So when God created man, remember Genesis 1, 26, 27, 28, what did he tell man to be? You're going to run the physical earth. You're going to have dominion over. You're going to, by the way, dominion. Who's in control? If you have dominion over, I mean, you guys understand that. Who's running the show? The guy with the biggest guns, usually. (laughs) Okay, who's got the biggest guns? Well, God Almighty does. What did he do? He just created Adam and Eve to have dominion over a fallen creation. I love that thing in Job. Sometimes you ought to just, just dive into Job and read slowly. He asked Job, how you doing with the donkey, Job? You're supposed to run that fool animal, but that fool animal's running you. Now that's RJ's. Pre- that's my. Ver- okay. Yeah, but you think what is our job? You know what? Our, we were sitting in the pool the other day, and the wasp come in for a drink of water. Well, you know what happens then? Splash, splash! Get away! Get away! Get away! And I'm like, you know that goofy wasp ran us out of the pool. And it was a little flying bug, you know. Well, what it can do to you, also. But the, it's not supposed to be that way. It's supposed to be the other way. Now, sin messed it up, and I get that. But notice what Satan's doing here. 
What does Satan say in Genesis 1-2? Between 1-1 and 1-2 there. What does he say? I'm running the show. I'm large and in charge. I'm the guy. I'm going to weaken the nations. I got a throne. I'm going to be the possessor of heaven and earth. As a possessor, you run it. We possess this facility. It's paid for. Guess what? We control it. We run it. It's ours. You have a house, it's yours. Why? You own it. Well, the bank might own it, but you own it. Okay? But the thing is, is it's possession. What is it? Nine-tenths of the law is possession. Well, that's what it used to be. <laughs> that's the idea here. Come over to Colossians 1. Colossians 1. And just watch Paul. Colossians 1. Now, we know our history. If you know your history, what happens? Man falls. Satan introduces into humanity sin. Man falls. The Lord looks over, Genesis 1 through 11. We got the establishment of the Gentile nations out there. You got Nimrod. You got the Tower of Babel. God comes down, confounds the language, separates them out. And what does he do in Genesis 12? Reaches over into Abram and says, you're my guy, you're my people, you're my kingdom. Deuteronomy 4, the nations out there are going to look at you and say how wonderful it is to have God so nigh. You're my people. But what did he do? He established a kingdom, a government in the earth to do what Adam couldn't do, to do what man failed to be able to do. They're going to do it. Now, we know Israel's history. They fall apart. That's fine. Acts 7 they declared to be uncircumcised of hearts and ears. Boom. They stoned Stephen. Acts 8, Acts 9, there's Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus. And God says, okay, we got a new plan today. Now we're going to have a new dispensation. Why the new dispensation? So that I can do what? Reconcile the world. I can do something different in the world now. So now we have Paul on the scene, the church, the body of Christ. By the way, where's our home? Heavenly places, right? We're seated together. I, I just did like eight hours real quick with you, okay? But now look at Colossians 1 and watch verse 16. Verse 15. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things created. See how Paul just drug us back to Genesis 1, 1, 1? All things are created. Well, now, in Genesis 1, what do we see what was created? Well, the physical realm, the earth, right? We saw Adam and Eve being created. Why? So they would have dominion and, and have rulership and subdue. But notice what Paul does, the revelation given to Paul, what he says. That are in heaven and that are in earth, what? Visible and Invisible. What would be visible? Earth. What's invisible? Heaven. Now, was that hard? Got your PhD now, okay? <laughs> you know what PhD is, right? Post hole digger. There you go. You're a post hole digger, all right? PhD, okay? That's what you are. Now, but keep reading. Whether that are in heaven and in the earth, visible, whether they be. Now watch how he's going to describe the things that he created, Genesis 1-1, what they were. Now, does he create everything? Yes. The physical isn't the issue here. What's the issue? The spiritual side. There's something behind 
all of that, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Question, what are the all things? Thrones, dominions, principalities, powers, mights, rulers, every other name that's named. That's Ephesians 1. What are the all things? If I say thrones, what are we talking about? Government. Do you and I understand what a throne is? In the visible realm, we do. We get it. The queen the other day had her whatever hundredth year on living. I don't know. She's older than dirt, but she's there. What do we know about the throne? Government. The prime minister comes in every year and sits down and says, your government will look like this. Whose government? The queen's government, the royal government. Now, the parliament runs it, but this is what your government is going to look like. Why? Because it sits in a throne. We understand what a, do you know what a dominion is? It's a territory. Hey, Maricopa County is a dominion of the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors. That's what they are. Principality. Think about that. Power. All the th- we're talking about government. So when in Genesis 1, he first created a governmental structure. In the physical world, boom, there it is, we see it. But in the spiritual realm as well. Behind the physical creation, all of that that he's doing in Genesis 1 that we read about, By the way, I would encourage you to read Job and Psalms and some other passages on creation. Okay, it puts Genesis 1 kind of to shame, but that's what we usually talk about. He's also creating a spiritual realm. And he's creating this issue of government. And what the adversary is after is that government. The physical will go with who? Wherever the government goes. You think you understand that. You look at our our government. Whichever way government goes is usually how the nation gets pulled, kicking and screaming or willingly, doesn't matter. It's how the we got that. Now look at with me at Ephesians 6 and why we're spending the time on this. And I think about all the times we've talked about this because who was captive is man. But why? Because it ha- he, he's, intera- he's connected to what is to be captive, the governmental structure of the universe. The conflict between God Almighty and Satan from day one is who is running the universe. That's the conflict, period. Now, Genesis 3, the Lord changes up a little bit with the seed of the woman because the seed of the woman became who? The seed of Abraham the seed of Isaac, the seed of Jacob, the nation of Israel. But what is the nation of Israel? They're the governmental kingdom in the earth. He, you know, he could have picked somebody else, but he didn't. He's got, he didn't because he made the promise to Abraham, but that's what he did. He looked at Israel and said it's going to be in the tribe of Judah. Judah's the biggest tribe. He says, but that's a big tribe, so let's go to the house of Jesse, and David's my guy. And in David's going to be where we're going to be. And you know what? You know what the adversary has done since that revelation? He's been after David's seed line. He's been nailing it, nailing it, nailing it, nailing it. So much so that Hezekiah got down there to almost nothing. 
and the Lord extended his life so he could have. But why? Because it's the seed of the woman. It's the seed line. But that starts because what's the original conflict? Who's in charge? Who's running the show? It's Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, I love that. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. By the way, we're, gonna, we're getting to the armor of God, hopefully in the fall, Lord willing. <laughs> okay? That ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Notice it's not Satan, it's not the adversary, it's not it's the devil. D- that word devil, its meaning is to divide. I know you can get in the Greek and Diablos and all that, but it just simply means to separate, to divide. What's the wile of the devil? What does he want to do to you? He wants to separate you from. If he, 1 Timothy uh, uh, 4 there where we've started, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrine. Why? They've departed from the faith. He knows he can't get you out of Christ, but he sure enough can make it to where you don't want to live as who you are in Christ. So we'd be on guard with that. How do we act? He's gave us some armor. He's given us some equipping to, to do. He's never left you alone. He's equipped you with some sound doctrine that you and I need to get in and learn. Why? Because there's a battle raging over authority, of over who's in charge. So verse 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You need, to, you need to remember that. Sometimes we tend not to remember that, and we go to wrestling around in the wrong arena. We're wrestling instead of wrestling, <laughs> you know. I saw Hulk Hogan on the TV. You guys don't know who that is, but anyway. WWE SmackDown, you know. Like, but he was talking about, they were recounting some. Anyway, I get on. that has nothing to do with here. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against what? Spiritual wickedness. Where, though? See, we're not doing spiritual wickedness here on the earth. That's Israel's domain. Where's our domain? Heavenly places. And what are we doing? We're fighting spiritual wickedness. And so there's some things here about these positions, the principalities, the powers, the mights, the thrones, the dominions, the, the rulers of the darkness, the every other name that's named. There's seven there. You can go eight if you want to deal with spiritual wickedness, and that's fine. I don't, you know, it's okay. But the thing is, is there's some things there. Come over with me to Ephesians 1 that you have to remember about them. And I just want to spend the remainder of the morning just kind of reminding you about them because what was led captive, I'll tell you now so you can go home now if you'd like, is the issue of the government. Who's in charge? That's what the adversary usurped and took captive. How did he do it? By taking man, usurping and the authority there. He takes man and he took over the captivity of the government. I'll show you a verse here in just a minute about that. Actually, instead of waiting, look over there. Look at Luke 4. I don't know if this is, I think this is on your handout. We're skipping ahead. Look look at Luke 4. Luke 4. In Luke 4, you have the temptation of Christ. This temptation is only recorded in Matthew and in Luke. The record in Matthew is a dispensational record and, and looks at it. Luke here looks at it from the humanity, from the human, his, his humanity side. But look if you look at verse 5, Luke 4, verse 5. And the devil taking him up into a high mountain showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in the moment of time. 
The devil takes the Lord up on the high mountain, and you know what he shows him? All of the governmental structures, all of the governments of the world. That includes Israel. Why? Because he has them captive. The strong man has them. They can't get away from them. He's, Isaiah 49, and we looked at it a couple weeks ago, he's lawfully captivated them. He, he's taken them captive. They're his. How do you know that? Well, look at the next verse. And the Lord said, not so, get out of here, you idiot. I own them all. He didn't say that, did he? What's the devil say? All this, what? Power will I give thee, and the glory of them. For that is delivered unto me. The Gentile nations were turned over in Genesis by God to the adversary. You go back and you study through Genesis 8, 9, 10, and 11. And you know what the Lord did? Romans 1. He said they didn't like to retain God in their knowledge. So he what? Gave them up. They didn't like to worship God. They weren't thankful, so he gave them up. Three strikes, he gave them up. And Romans 1 is a, is a time frame, is Genesis 11 in the Tower of Babel. And when he turns over the nations, we'll look at this when we get in and talk about the spiritual darkness and that darkness that, and so forth, he gives them up. What's, what's the devil say? They've been given to me. They're mine. I control them. Who is he controlling? All of the kingdoms of the earth. They're captive. They're his. Now watch. And to whosoever I will, I give it. If thou therefore will worship me, all shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind. See how the Lord doesn't argue with him? Doesn't say, not so, they're mine. He says, yeah, they are yours. But you need to get, and off he goes. You follow that? So when you go back to Ephesians 1 here, the, this governmental structure sits in the hands of the adversary. He's the prince, the power of the air. He controls them. They've been captive. Now, when Christ descends, born, walks the earth, death, burial, resurrection, what is he able to do now? Colossians 2. He's able to do what? Reconcile them all back because of Calvary. He's able to lead captive, captivity, what? Captive. He's able to come over there, pick them up out of Satan's camp, and bring them over here, translated them from the power of darkness, Colossians 1, and put into, translated into the kingdom of his dear son. We're talking about the governmental structure. You and I participate in that because what have we done? We've trusted Calvary. Now we're made a participant. You got all that? All right, let's pray and go home. Eh, wrong. Ephesians 1. Just notice, no, just notice four things quickly here. Ephesians 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The first thing you need to understand is the heavenly places are real. It's not a figment of imagination. It's not a wish of a bad drink on a Friday night. These are real. Come over to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. Revelation 12. Revelation 12. They're real. Verse 7, and there was a war in heaven, Michael and his angels. 
uh, fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought, and his angels, and prevailed not, neither was their place found anymore in heaven. See that? Their place. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Literally, what you read in the prophets, when he takes the heavens and he rolls them up and he shakes out the inhabitants, what did he do? He rolled that bad boy up. There's a war in heaven between Michael and the angels. The, the prophets say that the Lord's going to come and dip his sword in heaven. There's a war going on. And when that war takes place, at the conclusion of it, their what is gone? Their place is gone. He's literally taken that scroll, rolled that, shook, shake, uh, shook the heavens up. The inhabitants are cast out. Who would that be? Well, it's got to be the adversary and his angels, because you and I aren't there yet. We get there, by the way, up in verse, down in verse number 10. Look at verse 10. Well, I'm sorry. Look at verse 10. And I heard with a loud voice saying, and where? In heaven, where the war was, and the adversaries displaced and cleaned up. Now has come salvation and strength and the what? The kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. What just showed up in heaven? Government did. Whose government? The kingdom of God showed up. By the way, the kingdom, big term, government. It's got an earthly house, and it's got a heavenly house. It's not hard. It's not. Why? Because the things in heaven and the things on earth, here they are. He and God created the heaven and the earth. They're, they're two realms. The heavenly government just showed up. Keep reading. Verse 12, Therefore rejoice ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. And notice there is a period. Who's that? Who's going to dwell in the heavens? Us, the body of Christ. But when we go, where are we going into? Now go back to Ephesians 1. So first, you have to understand that they are real. The heavenly places are real. They're spiritually located in Christ. Physically, it works out to be the second, universe, the second heaven out there, the universe. What we see as the starry sky. Okay? We'll do that another time. And actually, we've done it in the past. So they are real. Come over to Amos. Well, you're in Ephesians, right? If you go to Amos 9, I think that's on your list. I don't know. If not, Amos 9, verse 6, and there are stories in heaven. They're organized. That's point two. They're organized. Colossians 1, we just saw that in verse 16. What's going on? Thrones and dominions, principalities, powers. They're organized. That's point two. I've got to get going here. Point two. They're organized. Psalms 33, verse 6, talks about a heavenly host. Talking about the angelics, the angels, but what are they? They are organized. Folks, you have to remember, God is a God of order. He's not a God of disorder. He's not a God of confusion. He's a God of order. It sits in an order. So you've got them real. You've got them organized. Ephesians 2, go back to Ephesians 2, and verse number 2. Who runs them today? Ephesians 2.2. 2. Where and in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. You know who they are? They belong to, they're organized by, they are run by the prince, the power of the air. Now think about that. 
the prince. That's the top dog. That's the main guy. That's the ruler. You have Prince Harry and Prince William. Why? Because they're next in line to be what? King. As soon as daddy's gone or whatever. He's the top in that realm. Power. Authority. That word. So prince, principality. We have that word, right? We've got a prince. Principality. We've got a power. We've got a might. Those are authority issues. The principality, he's the the top ruler. He's the head guy. He's the ranking position. And then you talk about and you think about the issue of powers. He's the authority to do it. The Supreme Court is the power in the land. Okay? Do you know that they can't enforce anything? A judge can only say, here's my ruling. Have you ever been to small claims court? I have. I've won. I've never collect, been able to collect a dime. Why? The court has no authority to collect. They have the power to do what? To judge it. To say, boom. So who has the power? That's the might. That's the guy with the gun. You go get the constable to go up. I tried it. Knock on the door. This guy, he peeks through the window, shuts it, and goes out the back door. The constable looks at me and goes, is it really worth the 20 bucks? I said, yeah, because I won. Oh, that wasn't 20. It was a couple grand. Yeah, I won. And he's like, is it really worth it? I said, nah, I guess not. If you're not going to enforce it, then, you know. He goes, oh, good. We'll wait for him. The guy never came back. The guy went home. I never, you know. It's the might. It's the sheriff, the deputy. The judgment is, you're guilty. Who takes you into custody? These guys do. The might. So there's a component in the government of what? Top dog. The authority and the power to do it, and then the ability to enforce it, to perform, to to exercise the authority. Then what do we have? He's the prince, the power of the air, the invisible realm. So he's the chief ruler. He's the chief ruling governmental authority in the invisible realm. So these positions sit under what? His headship. His dominion. Until when? Until the rapture happens. After the rapture happens, we go through the judgment seat of Christ. We're presented to the Father, 1 Thessalonians 3. When he presents us to the Father, you with me? Come on, here we are. Rapture happens. Judgment seat of Christ takes place, the meeting in the air. Our inner man capacity for service is solidified. It's guaranteed. We have our new body. It's there. It's done. We have that vehicle. We're able to now function in all realms, heaven and in earth, because it's fashioned like his glorious body. He could function. We can function. We're presented to the Father. By the way, where are we? Second heaven. Where is the Father? Third heaven. Okay. 
Thus, you got, you got all this stuff going on. You got the noisemakers. I love the noisemakers. Shout. The dispensation of grace is over. Victory shout. The voice of the archangel, Michael, stands as the prince for Israel. We're back under Israel. Israel is in charge. I got these cufflinks as a gift from uh, the Adams, and I don't want to break them <laughs> or hurt my finger. Actually, I won't break them. I'll break my wrist. They're pretty heavy duty. But what the voice says, boom, Israel's back in charge. The trump of God, two burst, the dead in Christ and the alive in Christ. Boom, boom, get them home. Trumpets, how you go home. Trumpets in Scripture are used mainly for two reasons, the gathering of the assembly and the moving out of the assembly. Now, there are other trumps, okay, but that's what they're usually. We go meet the Father. Look over there. Boy, you guys are just looking at me like starstruck. We've studied this. Come over to 1 Thessalonians 3. You have to think about this. I got five minutes with you to do an hour, actually about eight hours worth of, but just you got to think this through. Folks, why this is so important is, is because the adversary is trying to take this away from you. Because this is hope. Hoping that the sun rises and sets isn't hope. This is hope. And if he can remove it by saying, well, doesn't really say that, then he's got you. 1 Thessalonians 3, look, if you will, at verse 13. To the end that he may establish your hearts unblameable and holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, with who? With all his saints. There we go. He takes us. He presents us to the Father. Now, what's happening down here on earth? Well, Israel's program's back up and running. So we've got rumors of wars, and we've got all the desolations. Everything Daniel 9, 10, and 11 talk about, 12 are happening. And uh, meanwhile, up here, what's the Father doing with you and I? Woo, look at them. Ephesians 5, he presents that church to himself. Woo, holy and without blemish and perfect. You're unmovable. You're unblameable. Nobody can point a finger and say, yeah, but I remember back in the day, boy, when old Ricky did this. Woo, can't do that now. We've been through it. We're here. He looks over at his son and says, well done. They're looking good. There they are. New bodies. Everything's good to go. We're ready to roll. And you've got your certificate here of service, if you will. And he says, okay, we're going to fill up the heavenly places here with you. Romans 12, that's where we're at. Uh, Revelation 12. And he says, okay, meanwhile, back on the planet, what's going on? Well, the revelation of the Antichrist happens, Revelation 6. And the start of the 70th week is going to take place. But in the heavens, what's happening? Revelation 12. There's a war going on over here, actually. Let's. There's a war happening here. The Lord Jesus Christ has left and come back down into the second heaven. And there is a battle going on. A war between Michael and the adversary and the Lord. And in the midst of that week, not middle, midst, Satan and all them are cast down, aren't they? And they carry out the back three and a half years of activity of that great and notable and dreadful day of the Lord. And they carry out the end events. And the Lord's sitting up here. But what's happening up here after the war and the cleanup? The Father sets in the church, the body of Christ. 
What does the Lord do? He comes on down, finishes out the prophetic program. 75 days of a party, of inauguration, sets up the thousand-year beginning of the kingdom. The kingdom's going to last forever. What happens here? The dead Old Testament saints are resurrected. They're into the kingdom. Satan is bound. The false prophet and the um, Antichrist are cast down into the lake of fire. Instant judgment, folks. This isn't, hang on a minute, I plead the fifth. No, you're, de- you're guilty, you're done. thousand years, Satan is let loose. You got the little fire going on there. Where does Satan end up? Down in the lake of fire. Then what do we have? Great white throne judgment, right? What's happening to you and I in the heavenly places? We're filling up the principalities, the powers, the mights, the thrones, the dominions, the rulership issue, and the every other name that's named. These are real. They're organized. Right now they sit in the hands of the adversary. Colossians chapter 1. We'll finish here. Yes, sir. Yes. Yes. Satan is in the bottomless pit. The false prophet and the Antichrist are in the lake of fire. They go right into the lake of fire. Okay? That's a good question. Let's make sure. Revelation. Yes. I'm, I'm sorry about that. Revelation, Revelation 20. <clears throat> Revelation 20, verse 20. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image, they both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. Satan is in the bottomless pit because he's going to be used again. What this thousand years does, folks, is it proves to man that Satan didn't make you do it. You're a sinner. That's who you are. And I know nobody's a sinner. Your Bible's alive then. What are we doing? Let's go fishing. Actually, let's go hiking. Woo. Right? Let's get hiking to go fishing, right? Okay? You got Colossians? Colossians 1. Okay? Okay? Okay. All right. Colossians 1. And having, verse 20, and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say whether there be things in earth or things in heaven. So if you have a little thick head and you can't read, he tells you again what the all things are. What are they? The governmental structure of the heaven. What happens over here in the new? I'm off the board and I apologize. In the new heaven and the new earth is in the earth. King David is resurrected to sit on the throne. The 12 apostles are sitting on the 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel, which fulfill prophecy when he says, I will resurrect your princes. I will put the headmen back in place. There they are, your counselors, there they are. The 12 then run, the gen- run and rule over the Gentile that remain there, the Gentile nations. In the heavenly places, we have literally, I, I like to think of it as a piece of pizza because it's time to eat. Extra large, extra, extra large. What do you got? You got the prince, the principalities, the powers, the mites, and the every other name that's name crowd. That's the big cross section. Because as I teach you this, there are a ton of people who say this is bogus, this is heresy, this is nonsense, 
and they go the other direction, and you know what happens? They fail to have principalities, powers, mights, thrones, dominions, the rulers, and then the every other, what is that, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Uh, If you want to do the spiritual wickedness, you can. I don't. I, I think it's something else. But the thing of it is, is you know what happens? Is you learn and you grow. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, when this happens, you don't have the time to say, hang on a minute, i got to watch the YouTube bro- by Brother So-and-so. Hang on a minute. It doesn't happen that way. Get it in your inner man. Work it out. Be persuaded in your own mind. Come to some conclusions. Say, hey, this is how this happens. Why? Because it's how God is reconciling all of it back to himself. Ephesians 1. I told you last one, right? This one is the last one. Ephesians 1. You see, folks, this is what has been taken captive. Man has gone. God had a purpose and a plan, and he's doing that, and he's got the new man and all that. Yes, but what else? What was taken? This is what is taken captive, because this is what gets used to say, you guys are a bunch of crazy people, and you're nuts, and I'm sitting here going, it's black and white on the pages, and I haven't read anything into it. By the way, I never used Greek. I never used he. I didn't do this. It's right there. You know why? That wonderful thing in 2 Corinthians 11:3 about the simplicity that's in Christ. This is simple. The other mess is not so. Ephesians 1. Here's the, here's, the, here's the verse for me that just kind of solidified all this to going, all right. And again, folks, I'm not saying I'm 100% correct, okay? I never would say that. Only a fool would say that. But I'm saying I'm, I preach it the way I preach it because, you know what, I believe it. And if you can have that, great. If you can't, I apologize. Ephesians 1, verse 9, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. The Father's will, he's made it known. This stuff here about the heavenly places was never made known. It's unsearchable. Until who? The Apostle Paul. Now watch verse 10. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, so when time comes to its fullness, its completeness, new heaven, new earth, What's going to happen? What's the condition in creation? He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. So, just for the naysayers, if this isn't what's in heaven, then please tell me what is in heaven. Because that verse says he's gathering it all back under his headship. It can't be a blob of just coexistence because he never created it that way to begin with. Who's in charge? Who's running the show? I showed you that thing where God, God created the angelic host, and he calls them the sons of God. That's a title. Son, adults, mature. He looks at Israel, John 1, and he says, I'm going to give you power. If you receive me and believe me, I'll give you power to become the sons of God. Who? Who on the earth is the sons of God, the true Israel of God? He looks at you and I, Romans 8, and he says, you're not children, you are sons. You cry, Abba, Father. Who's running the heavenly government? Sons of God, mature, adults, not children. That's why the judgment seat of Christ isn't a bad thing. It's a, here's who you are. Here's the, the, the aptitude of your inner man, which, by the way, is who you take with you. People say, oh, you don't take nothing to heaven. That's a lie. You know who you take to heaven? 
your inner man, who you are in Christ, goes to heaven. This old man sits in the earth, goes back to the dirt. Who you, so you do take somebody with you. It's who you are in Christ. Build that dude in there. Renew him up. That's why Paul goes through all that renewing stuff and put off and put on and do. Why? Because you take him with you. And the father said, the son says, by the way, the son is the judge. That power was given to him by the father. He's the judge. Well, again, we got off, and it's time to quit. But it all tied together. Today, the adversary is in control of the government. God the Father, the Godhead, their ultimate plan and purpose is to reconcile it all back under the headship of the Son. And what the Father wants is for you to love the Son the same way he loves the Son, because he's the head. The adversary comes along and says, no, nope, we're just going to tick it one degree off and make it a lie. And when I do that, then I'm holding captivity captive. And the son says, I have released that captivity, and you belong to me. So you know what you need to do? You need to be over here where I'm at. You need to live as who you are in Christ. And the adversary, you know what he only wants you to do? Remain in the darkness. And we'll talk about that next time, hopefully. The system here. The principality, the powers, the thrones, the dominions, the rulers, they got activity. And by the way, we do it for ages to come. That, so what was cap, who was captive? Man. What? That governmental structure is what was taken. Because the issue is always going to be who's in charge. What does man say? I'm in charge. I'm my own. I'm worshiping the creature more than the creator. Boy, Solomon says it. He goes, man, you better go back to the creature or the creator. Search him out. Love him. What's he doing today? He's forming the church, the body of Christ. That's where you need to be. Okay? Dear Holy Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the instructions from Scripture, for the look into it. And therefore, then our fellowship around it with you and who we are in you. In your name we pray. Amen.